Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our lesson from last week with Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 15. As the apostles died off and the written New Testament was completed, they were replaced by evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Once the fullness of the doctrine of ecclesiology was unfolded, every church had elders and deacons. Acts 6, verses 1 through 7, marks the beginning of the office of deacon in the church. The remainder of this chapter focuses mainly on one chosen deacon, Stephen. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he delivers today's portion of this week's message entitled, The Infant Church Takes First Steps, Part 2. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, outside the the walls of Jerusalem, and Samaria and the remotest parts of the earth. Well, Stephen getting persecuted was a catalyst. We'll see that when we get a little bit further in Acts. Then there's Philip. Philip is the second most of them. He's going to be prominent for a little while later in Acts. He is the one who's going to take the gospel to the Samaritans. Oh, and that was leaping a fire break. Jews and Samaritans didn't have anything to do with each other. Do you remember what a scandal it was when Jesus said, we're going to cut through Samaria on the way to Galilee? (gasps) Jews don't do that. Philip took the gospel to the Samaritans, and then famously, he took the gospel to a a eunuch from Ethiopia. Wow, that's pretty unique. By the way, that's a good mission strategy. Go to your local campus, find the foreign students, witness to them, lead them to Christ, and send them back home. You're sending out missionaries that don't have to go through language school. That's exactly what happened with the gospel going to Ethiopia. And interestingly, four of Philip's daughters were to become prophetesses. We'll talk about that when we encounter it later. Now, we don't have any biblical information about the other five of these seven. Uh, There are some traditions which connect this guy Prochorus with the Apostle John. It's theorized he might have been John's amanuensis when John wrote the Gospel of John. Uh, Those same traditions say that uh, Prochorus eventually became the bishop of Nicomedia. That's the capital city of the Roman province called Bithynia, and that he was eventually martyred in Antioch. I can't refute any of that, but I also can't prove any of that. It's certainly plausible. The only other comment we have here among these other five is that Nicholas was a proselyte. That means he wasn't born a Jew. He was a Gentile who converted to Judaism, and he came from Antioch. Now, it's interesting, that may have been especially used by God when the gospel went to the Gentiles, and Antioch became the first fully Gentile church that sent out missionaries. They sent out um, Paul and Barnabas on their first uh, missionary journey and their second 
for that matter. So the names don't matter a lot, but you're going to see quite a bit about Stephen, and you're going to see quite a bit about Philip, and trust me, the other five were nice guys too. So a need arises, leaders prioritize, leaders propose a plan, people are put forth. The leaders pray and confirm, verse 6, and these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. Laying hands on is identifying with somebody. We do it at uh, ordination services. We do it when we uh, typically send out people on short-term missions. Call them up, have the leaders pray for them, put your hands on them uh, in the sense of, you know, we're connected here and we're like, it's like we're conferring upon you our blessing. We are praying for God's power for you, for your, for your ministry. The fact that this was a wise step to take in the development of the new church and how it operates is evident from the next step. God keeps moving. Look at verse 7. The Word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And then here, listen to this, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. That phrase continued to increase, increase greatly shows that even the very best efforts of the, uh, of the counters, they couldn't keep up with the exact number, but the intensity of the caring for one another never waned. And then there's this astonishing, God-glorifying thing, a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Now, remember it's been the high priests, the chief muckymucks, the ones that controlled the Sanhedrin, they're the ones that have been systematically persecuting the Christians. This is talking about the everyday priests, like, um, like um, uh, uh, John the Baptist's father, say it out loud, Zechariah, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. See, the, the full effects of the surgery don't take place for... You know. A little while. Uh, these are the guys like Zechariah who lived all around the area, and they came and did did stints of service in the in in the the temple, and they did the sacrifices and they did the hard work. These were the regular run of the mill priests, if you were, and the average priests began to see the message of the gospel. Can you imagine how many people were witnessing to them, and they were seeing the contrast between the Christians and this spectacular fellowship that was going on versus what their leaders were doing to the people who were having this spectacular fellowship. So many of them were becoming obedient to the faith. Now the text doesn't say it directly, but the fact that we're about to see this intense persecution break out against Stephen, it just might be related to this statement about many of the priests becoming obedient to the faith. That would not have pleased those guys in the Sanhedrin. I mean, what if they had to get their hands dirty and actually make the sacrifices in the temple? What if they had to work extra shifts because people were resigning their commission as priests? So before we shift our focus to Stephen... I want you again to to notice some spiritual principles for local church leadership 
that are illustrated in this text. And I want to say it because this is the beginning. This is the infant church taking baby steps. And we're going to see many more steps through the book of Acts, and then you have the fullness of it in the rest of the New Testament. And if you are careful and diligent, you would be able to see how every one of these things I'm about to tell you is put into practice in one way or another in the bylaws of Heritage Bible Church. Now, if you haven't yet taken our Heritage Bible Church distinctives class, put a bookmark here, take the class next time it's offered, and you will see these things fleshed out in how we try to follow the biblical pattern. Number one, the autonomous government of the local church. Now, right away, I'm going to grant to you, it's a stretch to say that right here because at this time, there was exactly one congregation of Christians in the world, all right? But it was autonomous, okay? You're, you're going to see this develop, though, through the rest of the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. Different churches in different places cooperated with one another, but the elders of each local church were the leaders of that local church's congregation. The submission was mutual, but the autonomy of the local church is a very clear New Testament principle. And by the way, remember I mentioned the guy Procurus was uh, believed to have gone on to be the bishop of a certain city in Bithynia? That idea of bishops, which is a translation of the word overseers, the idea of bishops with authority over all the churches in a region, not just a specific local church, that was not developed until well after the close of the New Testament. We'll probably talk about it later as we move through uh, the book of Acts, but that's not a biblical office of like regional bishop or some denominations have regional supervisors or superintendents or, or things like that. It isn't necessarily an evil thing, but any hierarchy above the local church is uh, extra biblical. We'll leave it at that for now. Notice this principle of maintaining spiritual priorities, which are the best for all. Uh, the standard was set from the beginning. They feasted every day on the apostles' doctrine. It would have been a disaster if the, if the apostles had not held on to their priorities and passed them along to the elders who would lead the next generations of believers. We have this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, like being members of a local church, and are of God's household, like being part of a local church, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. That's all built on the priorities of feasting on the apostles' doctrine, the, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So, notice also the principle of recognizing men who have developed within the local church. It was important and it was significant that the apostles asked the whole congregation to recommend men in whom they saw leadership ability, in whom they saw patterns of faithfulness and wisdom and the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.